Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your locally owned source for hunting, fishing, and shooting gear in interior Alaska. They sell proven gear that will tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to, and Frontier always stays current with gear for the season. Whether you're baiting bears in the spring, fishing, camping, or dip netting in the summer, you're looking for game bags and moose camp gear in the fall, uh, if you need to stock up on trapping lures or just get everything you need to go ice fishing, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as camping gear and backpacking food. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find a full hardware store naturally, and uh, you'll also find your snow machine, ATV, marine accessories down there. They go out of their way to stock plenty, plenty of quality, useful equipment. And whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on a never-ending home improvement project, or anything in between, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location in North Pole, so make sure you stop in next time you need to gear up. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Realtor Rick Lindsay, a guy that can take care of just about any of your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area. Now, the Hedgecock Group has been in Fairbanks North Pole real estate market since the early 80s, and their service is tailored to meet the diverse needs of home buyers in interior Alaska. Now, Rick has lived in Fairbanks for a long time and understands a lot of the less obvious ins and outs of buying and selling property around here. You know, things like water holding tanks and permafrost and all that jazz. Fairbanks is a really unique place to live, and having a realtor that knows what to look for in a quality place can make all the difference. Rick's a Marine Corps veteran and will work hard to get you exactly what you need. And if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Fairbanks or North Pole area, reach out to Rick at 907-378-6780. And go check out his Instagram at R-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-113 at rlindsey113. He's really a passionate outdoorsman. He's just like us. He's one of us. And he loves to share his adventures on there. And he's got a pretty a pretty nice cranker of a ram that I'm jealous of. So go check him out. I know there's lots of you out there that dream of moving to Alaska, but it's a big step and can be kind of intimidating. Landing a solid job before you move can make things run a lot smoother, but you might not be sure of the job market or even really where to look. Now, if you're an experienced ASC certified or GM factory trained technician, I've got good news for you. Chevrolet GMC of Fairbanks is looking to hire qualified service department techs, and they've got enough work to keep you pretty much as busy as you want to be. Fairbanks Chevy has a very busy shop, but they allow for flexible scheduling. They offer top market pay rates with paid overtime, a great benefits package with 401k retirement plan with contribution matching. And, you know, for a service tech, you can really make a good solid living. They, they can offer relocation assistance to help get you up here, paid training to get you spun up, and they have a well-lit and well-maintained facility, and these are all things that I mean, help contribute to a great work atmosphere. On top of all that, they make it a priority to allow you to take your vacation time during hunting season, something that is really tough in the, in the service and construction industries here in Fairbanks and can sometimes be a deal-breaker for folks like us. Good help and hard workers are always welcome in Fairbanks, and if this is the opportunity you've been waiting for, apply at FairbanksChevy.com or call their service manager, Rick Lindsay, directly at 907-215-6444.
If you're going to be in Fairbanks on March 9th, 2024, make sure you get tickets to the Interior Outdoorsman Banquet at the Carlson Center hosted by Alaska Outdoor Council. They're aiming to make this event the biggest gathering of hunters and fishermen in Fairbanks ever, and there's going to be a ton of great door prizes, including a new Can-Am four-wheeler and also a lot of auctions and raffles once you get there. There's going to be a gun safe raffle, a wall of guns, a wall of bows, deck of cards raffle, cake auctions, silent auctions, and of course the governor's brown bear tag for a Fognac Island is going up there. It's going to be a great time with live music from the Ken Peltier Band, and most importantly, all the fundraising from this event stays in Alaska to support public access and youth outdoor education, which are which the Alaska Outdoor Council is really championing. So the banquet is at 5 p.m. March 9th, 2024 at the Carlson Center in Fairbanks. Tickets are 100 bucks ahead, and they're available online at alaskaoutdoorcouncil.org and may be available at the door, but it's best bet to get them online because they're going fast. That's how you do it. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good, man. I'll just, yeah, we'll just roll right into it. I got the, uh, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everyone. I got the, uh, the nanny king, Mr. Wacy Arthur here on the line. You had, you totally just came up with that shit right now when you were signing up for a, a Zoom account, right? <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> it's funny because I, uh, <clears throat> I did a podcast with the Wild Sheep society in british columbia and i and everybody gets really uptight and pissed off about shooting nannies yeah so i made it nat my name i i made my name nanny king and oh that's tyler then my buddy tyler my buddy on the, my our other podcast he's like no no he's just kidding he doesn't actually shoot nannies <laughs> so he had to he had to run run interference for you huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah, i just it's kind of a running joke eh, nanny king Oh yeah, man. There's uh oh one of them guys. He's come up in a couple. Maybe it was a podcast I did with Wayne Heimer, our like a longtime sheep biologist here that was talking about a guy he knew in BC. I think that was like big involved with sheep society down there that didn't like me at all. He wrote me some kind of na- He wrote me a big old long nasty email about an uh, article I did after I killed like ten rams or something, saying I was I was too greedy. <laughs> Mm, yeah i remember you talking about that before actually yeah some guys don't like it but too bad i guess yeah well i mean you know when you're when you're operating within your i think legal and ethical limits you know you're not it's not like you're taking sheep away from other people nope that's right no but well uh, what else you been up to i did you know i was fooling around on youtube today and i noticed that you uh Got some videos, and I watched both of them. Your caribou hunt and your sheep hunt with the doctor. Yeah, and that's freaking well done, man. Like them are good videos. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. Well, the care and the caribou one was a couple of years ago, and and yeah, yeah. that the guy that came up to fill to to do video for that did a really nice job. Um, and it was a fun hunt. It didn't didn't hurt that I killed one, but uh, um, and of course like. I pretty much did all the did all the filming for for me and Frank's sheep hunt this year, and it was uh, 
we'll have sometimes some at some point I'm sure we'll I think we talked about it on our last podcast together as we were I think we'll do like a a director's cut or something where we put together like a little bit longer version with some of the footage that wasn't that didn't make it in there um but yeah it was fun man I pre- I, I appreciate you, you know you're the you're the you and you and the three other people who saw it <laughs> <laughs> that and caribou when you arrowed them do they a lot of them run like that? Because he just sprinted, man, like out of the country, hey? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I've only that's the only one I've shot with a bow, so I wouldn't really know. I've seen some shot with a bow, and I think it's just kind of a mix. Um, like he was kind. He didn't. He didn't know anything was wrong. I'd managed to slip in that herd had started started crossing that little creek wash, and I managed to sneak in between a couple bunches of them. So you know, where, from where those caribou were standing, coming over a little rise, it's all, it looks all flat and they can see the caribou on the other side of that little Creek draw, but they can't see me until they're like 25, 30 yards away. And so I just, all I could do is just crouch there next to a bush and wait. And, um, it was pretty exciting, man. When he, uh, I remember thinking, cause the, there was a cow in front of him and she, she ran in front of me or just kind of trotted across in front of me so close that I could like hear her sniff and it was howling wind that I could hear her sniffing, like trying to smell because she knew something was, something was a little weird, but, uh, he was coming behind her and he stopped and like had his head down or something. That, and I'd been, when I sat down, I'd ranged a rock that was like 25 yards and I was like, it's windy enough. I'm not shooting anything. If it comes between me and that rock, then, then I'm going to let her, let her rip. But, uh, that bull stopped and had his head down. I was like, well, he's closer than that rock. I was like, I might as well. I was like, he's going to come out of his skin as soon as he sees me move. But he didn't, man. He, you know, (laughs) the whole time I'm drawing my bow, I was like, oh, I can't believe he's actually not moving. And then I managed to stay in my shot well enough. It's kind of, kind of awkward. I didn't hit him right where I wanted to, but, uh, yeah, man, he took off across there and I hit him a little, he was quartering to me and I hit him a little high and a little back from where I was aiming. So, course the oh shit you know here it goes and he but he ran across and when he turned around i could see all the bullet like where the arrow was coming out and all the blood i was like yeah he's he's toast he's not he's not going far yeah like if nobody's seen the film like he's running wide open <laughs> yeah and every step i'm like oh man he's just getting farther and farther from the truck yeah so but I'm really he just it. he just did a big loop and then he went back kind of the, to where he came from because there was still like I don't know, like 500 or more caribou coming, you know, in a line. Right. They were all strung out. And he ran right back into a big old herd of them and ran around in a couple circles and stopped and stood there. And another bull came, run right up to him and hooked him and threw him on the ground and just started thrashing him. So on your sheep hunt too, I was going to ask you before I forget, when you guys double-headed, were your sheep, he was just one shot? Like you just shot him and... And he and felt then Frank he, had to double tap his. Yeah, he Frank didn't have as good a rest, quite as good a rest as I did. So he, like you can see in the video, he hit his kind of like at the base of the neck, and it just didn't hit the bone or whatever. Um, so he ended up shooting his again. But yeah, mine I just just shot and the thing ran a few steps and fell over on his face. What gun were you using? Uh, Springfield uh, twenty twenty Redline. It's they came out with it this year, just kind of like a trimmed down waypoint um yeah kind of remington 700 clone and that little graybo trekker stock um and six five creedmoor of course snubby barrel it's like a 20 inch barrel on that yeah 20 inch barrel so which you know i kind of i don't know like 
those things are so convenient to carry. And I'm, I'm working on building one to this winter specifically to put like a lightweight titanium suppressor on there. Cause I've never brought a suppressor. It will, a you don't really, you don't really need one cheap on and all the, ki- all the suppressors I've had so far, are like too heavy, like it's just not worth the weight, but I've got a couple now that are so like they, they weigh like less than half a pound or about half a pound. What caliber is that? You said six five. Yeah, six five Creedmoor. Yeah, man, that sure knocks them down, eh? Pretty it, cheap. It seems to work pretty good, man. I mean, they're and well, Frank's Frank was shooting a six five Weatherby RPM, which is pretty hot. Yeah, and it just but it just yeah, matters. Pretty- like you put if you know you put a good shot on something, they're not going to go far. That six point five uh, RPM isn't that in like a like a 300 case or some freaking thing, like a huge case. Like it's got a lot of powder capacity, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty big. I can't remember. It's close to probably like similar to a 300 Win Mag type case, but it's made to where you don't need a Magnum action for it. Like it's got a, yeah. it's got a well, rebated whatever Magnum. It's got like a rebated smaller, smaller rim. So it fits on those like smaller bolt faces and, I just remember like the hand loads I, I had for, I I made for it were as using Rotumbo. So it takes like real slow burning powders. Um, yeah, I heard, I, well, I read a few articles on that caliber and a lot of guys are claiming it's going to be a barrel burner, but it's hard to say it's, uh, there's another caliber. I can't, can't remember who's it is. It's, uh, uh, it's like a two seventy. But it's uh, who the hell makes it? I can't remember. Same thing, real hot. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's, it's funny the the funny thing about like barrel. You know, seems like anyone who's talking about cartridges being barrel burners is never going to burn up a barrel. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, especially in a hunting rifle like that. Like, I mean, I, I would be shocked if you if you if you shot out the barrel or you saw like appreciable accuracy decreases in less than 12 or 1500 rounds and who the hell's going to like ever shoot 1500 rounds through that little sheep rifle. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things you'd really have to, you'd really have to put a lot of rounds down to smoke a barrel on some of them guns. I guess. But yeah. Where, where really could, like, you know, people don't get you know, it's freaking 300 wind mag every hundred rounds of, of ammo you put through it, you eat out like 15,000 out of your, out of your lands. I mean, that's really like yeah. pretty abrasive too. Um, which by the way, for like, we, we kind of just dived into it. Wacy, Wacy's one of our Alberta, Alberta boys. And I know we got a lot of people listening in Alberta and BC and other parts of Canada. And, uh, it's been, yeah, I mean, we just dove into it. We, it's been a while since we caught up. You're into all sort of hunting and shooting and reloading and, and nerding out on stuff like I, I like I do. So that's probably going to be a lot of this podcast, I would imagine. Yeah, we're just redneck at heart. Yeah, you, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a true. <laughs> Probably anybody. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we got got the we're the technology. It took us. Yeah, we got both of us mongoloids like trying to work these computers. Um, but <laughs> bear with so us. I, the car, I I was just googling, and I think what I was trying to reference was the two seven seven Fury. Oh yeah. Um. um that's a weird one that I don't think is ever going to go anywhere. Cause it's not new. They, 
I remember when SIG came out with it. They came out with it the same year they released that cross rifle. Because yeah. that was kind of one of the main, their idea was to have that be one of the main offerings, like a super hot, like real high pressure 270 in a short action. And it, uh, it's got a weird like hybrid case. Like I think it has a stain, they have a stainless steel case head. Yeah. And then a brass case body to like handle the super high pressure. But I think it's, I think they've had a, I mean, kind of what I hear from behind the curtain and through the grapevine, like it just, it's has a lot of issues and I just don't think it, I mean, I don't see it ever taken off. It's a cool idea and it's cool to see companies like kind of pushing the, pushing the boundaries on some of that stuff, trying to think of new ways to do stuff. But, uh, yeah, cut, you know, prove me, hope, hope, hope I get proved wrong, but yeah, that, that one, uh, I think is going to kind of be a slow burn. Yeah. It's like the six, eight Western too. I don't know. I know some guys are buying them and using them, but I don't think it's ever going to gain legs. There's just too many new calibers coming out too much. All, everyone wants to do AI stuff and yeah. I don't know. Well, and the, and I think the other thing about the six, eight Western, like, and, and I, I mean, I love, I love a lot of Browning's rifles and, and, you know, and the brands and they're good folks, but I think it's just, it's up against a lot when you try to keep everything proprietary, like it's a Browning Winchester cartridge. And so like when it, you know, only Browning and Winchester making guns in it and components and stuff like that, like you just run into a big bottleneck where it's, it's hard for, I think when people can't get a hold of it, they're going to shoot what they can get a hold of. Yeah. Exactly. But it's a, I mean, I so, killed a couple things with it. It's a, it's a good, it's a nice cartridge, like doesn't kick hard, but it ballistically, like it, it holds right there with a 300 wind mag, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Which, so uh, how's your guys' winter, how's your guys' winter been? Lots of snow and lots of cold or what? Yeah, uh, not too bad. Like most of the winter's been pretty mild. We had a pretty good Lately, we had a pretty good cold snap, like January. I mean, what, three weeks? Maybe it was it was f- hitting a lot of 40s and 50s below Fahrenheit. Um, so it was pretty ch- pretty cold here around Fairbanks. We don't we don't really have a maybe normal or slightly below normal amount of snow. Like nothing nothing out of the ordinary. I guess other parts of the state kind of got clobbered with a lot of snow. But what about what about you guys? Yeah, freaking no snow. We maybe got like a foot on the ground. And we've been like plus temperatures all winter. We had one stretch. There was about 10 days. We had minus 40, 50 uh, yeah. Celsius. And that's it, man. Like at night, it's like minus two, minus one. It's not cold at all. Yeah. That's pretty. Cause you, uh, even where you're at in Alberta, you guys usually get pretty cold winters, huh? Yeah. We get hammered. Yeah. Usually. So it's a weird winter. Like, I was at work and like, I just see more predators moving. Like I drove right up on a couple of mountain lines here the other day and then a couple of wolves at work. It's like, so I seen lots of stuff moving, right? There's just not a lot of snow. So everything's kind of moving more and stuff. So it's kind of cool. It's, we don't get winters like that usually. So it's kind yeah. of neat to see. Now, do you think that's like, that's a little bit easier on your white tails and such? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. They, they can actually get away. When the snow gets belly deep, what happens is the deer will get, I've done, I've seen it with my own eyes actually. So the deer will get on trails and they'll go be back and forth to whether it's a field or a hay yard or whatever. 
Yeah. And them coyotes are so smart or wolves or whatever. They'll one will come down one end of the trail and then another coyote will push them. And then whitetails will bail off the trail and they're in the belly deep snow and then the coyotes just run up and hamstring them. Oh, yeah. They can't go anywhere, right? Yeah. And the coyotes are, if there's a crust, the coyotes and stuff will stay right on top and they just run up and they snag them and it's all over. Yeah. So I know I've heard of no, happening like that with moose sometimes if you get a crust that the wolves can stay on but it's real deep and you know real deep snow the moose have a hard time getting away from them yeah so our whitetails are having an exceptionally easy winter so i'm hoping that uh we get a good fawn crop this spring that'd be real nice because we need it yeah you got a pretty i can't if i remember right you got a pretty good whitetail this year didn't you yeah, he's all right. Uh, I don't. I never did tape him, but he's probably. I don't know if he'd be one fifty or not, but you know, an old deer. That's kind of my goal, right? I want to shoot old deer. There was a there was a deer. He's. Uh, I was gonna shoot him, and I just should have. And he's just trash. He's got. He's just a two points, but he's about eleven years old or ten years old, and he's just a bully. Yeah, and I had an opportunity for a split second to shoot him, and I just should have, and I kind of hesitated, but. Them are the ones I like to take. Like I like shooting big deer and big high scoring deer. That's all fun. But if I get a chance to just shoot an old freaking monarch like that, it's kind of funny because it lets a younger deer breed and stuff too. Because he kind of just holds everything out, right? But he's not really actually breeding a whole bunch himself. Yeah. Well, I've heard that that from I've heard that from different guys. You get some like real old just asshole bucks that are pretty tough and don't give a shit. You know, just beating up on younger bucks but don't really do a lot of the breeding <laughs> they're and they're the ones that always make it through because nobody wants to shoot them yeah <laughs> they, they seem to always slip the wolves and they always breed and i don't really want them ones breeding but yeah <laughs> that's how it goes i guess <laughs> yeah it sure does man yeah i uh i pat well i passed up the first day i was hunting in kansas this this december I passed one up that I would have shot him if he had, if he wouldn't have been, if he would have been intact. Of course, he was a nice he was a nice deer, but he just had so much stuff busted off of him that he, I felt like it would kind of be I'd, I'd be kind of mad at myself shooting that deer on the first day. Did you guys did you see lots of deer when you were there? Yeah, a lot of deer. I didn't see I didn't see any other big ones, but one one guy the morning I killed my buck, he killed one that was one seventy two. Like a big, you know, was a nice, nice deer. Um, and I know they, like, they killed some other ones this season that were, that were real nice. So, um, I was just happy. I just happy to get out there and do it and spend most of the time hunting and then, you know, shoot a buck on the second to last night. It stressed me out a little bit to go to the last, last day, but <laughs> once I, I mean, I'm sure you understand once you see, once you see red and the decisions made, like there's no stopping, there's no stopping you. Yeah, just let her go. Yep. Send them to the light. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yep. The old, the, yeah. old cor- the old corn pile in the sky. So, uh, other than that, you had a pretty good season. So you got a sheep and you did deer hunt. Did you go in for elk or anything? No, I didn't go elk hunting. Just sheep hunting and moose hunting. And um, yeah, I got a got a moose. So we're back in moose meat. We were uh, eating some steak and steak and potatoes and gravy for dinner so that's always it's always nice having plenty of it around yeah i freaking uh i got into some bulls this year with my recurve 
Nice. Um, just small bulls. And I, and I probably would have shot the one, but I was so far in the swamp. I'm like, I do not want to pack this thing out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and we couldn't. You'd almost need an airboat to get him, get to where he was. So I was like, I, I walked him. I kind of regret it now because I don't have any moose meat. But, well, I don't know. Haven't seen. Yeah, it's, haven't seen how some of you Alberta boys like how you'll run like freaking the places you guys would take a fucking three wheeler. <laughs> if you're saying that you oh, need, yeah. if you're saying you need an airboat to get the thing out, like I'm, I'm pretty. I think I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down as far as how how much of a pain in the ass that would have been <laughs> like how you guys how your moose spot like you sent me in videos how you guys were kind of using that chain link to get yeah in there. yeah like i would i wouldn't i would need to do like shit like that to get into where that bull was oh like, man but you just don't have, so if you kill him you don't have time right you kind of got to get it yeah out, so yeah you got to get it dealt with and and out and then it becomes not worth it to get machinery in there. So you got to just try to carry it out. And no one, no one that's carried a moose out anywhere wants to do it again. <laughs> no, I packed a bull out of a swamp one time. I think it was like 2015. And I swear to God, I was like, I'll never do it again. Cause every step you go right to your knees and muskeg, right? Yeah. And it was, you got full, like mature bull quarters on your back and it's just compressing your spine. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> It is not, you know what it's like. It's just not fun at all. No. I don't know who started glamorizing that shit, but it's not cool. I don't enjoy, I do not enjoy packing moose. Well, even, you know, even the whole like throw a whole bear over your back bullshit, you know, I'm like, that's what I got this sled for. (laughs) Work smarter, (laughs) not harder. You know, I I like, I want, I want my body to laugh. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in the greatest shape by any means, but (laughs) I want to preserve what, what little I got. Yeah, I just not into slinging bear hides over my neck either. Yeah, like yeah. a lynx with all sort of fleas and shit. <laughs> well, I see guys too, like because like, Alberta has lots of wolves, so guys will come, and a lot of most of them, all of them are Americans, but they're from the lower forty-eight. Yeah, and they want a bear hug and ha- have the wolves around their necks and shit. I'm just like, I can't. Like, I don't even want to pick it up and <laughs> hand it to you. Yeah. Oh yeah, though no, it was. I, I did that, that one I shot last February, I think, well, yeah, it was about a year ago in Alberta was, yeah, he didn't have a whole lot. I, I left that one there. He didn't have a whole lot of hair left. I said, yeah, let, let someone practice fleshing on this thing. <laughs> oh, and that's what happens. We got so many and they just like disease starts to run, right? Like, it, oh yeah. We just, we can't kill enough of them. Like it's open season on them things and you can't kill enough wolves. Well, and that's one thing that I don't think I didn't understand before I went there and saw like, and saw it. And, uh, even when I was down there deer hunting for the first time a few years ago around like Valley view, I had no, like, cause we got a lot of wolves up here, but you don't ever see them. And you, you know, you'll like, if you're out and about running through the sticks, like you'll see tracks and whatnot, but they're just not very dense and, I mean, this last trip driving around, like around GP, they, there was freaking wolves standing out in fields like coyotes. Oh yeah. Like I'll be at work. I posted a video. You seen it the other day. Yeah. I was working on a motor at work. I'm just sitting and it's just on a, on a lease. So just a little clearing. I'm working on a motor and these two wolves come trotting by me and I'm just standing there. <laughs> it's kind of how it is. Like they're just everywhere. 
everywhere. You're always running into them. It just seems like. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, even, I even the little bit area we covered running around down, down there last year, there was just, when there was fresh snow, there was fresh wolf tracks everywhere. And I, I it didn't, it didn't ever make sense to me how you could sit on a bait and like st- have a chance of killing one. But now I, I, I freaking believe it now. And there's, I mean, there's some guys that are really good at it. Well, you were saying, you were saying your old man was kind of one of the pie, like kind of pioneers of doing that, wasn't he? Yeah. I always, you know, I don't know for sure, but he's 70 and my granddad, uh, he died in the late sixties. So I never got to meet him. And he, my granddad showed my dad how to properly bait and shoot wolves off bait. So my dad's been doing it since he was a little boy. Yeah. And so 60 some years and I know wolf hunting now is getting real popular and lots of guys are doing it and, the, and they're figuring the baiting and stuff out. But I remember, man, my, I'd be uh, first light, you know, in the mornings, <clears throat> my dad used to run a bait right from the house yeah. and he, <clears throat> he'd wake me up. I'd hear him shoot at first light, you know, and he'd wake me up and he said, go grab that one. And I'd go out and before go to the school bus and I got a little piece of binder twine and I'd drag wolves back to the house in the mornings before school. (laughs) So it was like, he's been doing it forever and ever. Like, I don't know how many wolves that man's killed, but it's like hundreds. He's a kind of a, in our area, he's kind of a legend for it, but like nobody really knows. Right. Yeah. You know, broader uh, scheme of it, you know, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's kind of like that here. Like you get you get fairly small communities where I don't know everyone's grandpa was a hero, and like that's fine. But it's uh, no, it's it's pretty cool. That's and it's crazy to hear. You know, they have it figured out for that. He's had it figured out for that long because it's like and people that are here in Alaska or you know whatever think I'm blowing smoke on shooting wolves on baits. Like if a guy had the time to get after it, you could kill a shit pile of wolves or even trap. Like you know, if kill- you could trap and, and hunt bait, even just sit in baits, like you could kill more wolves in a year than almost, I say not almost anybody, but the, more than the vast majority of people like tr- of like guys that are really getting after it, trapping here in Alaska will catch in a year. You could shoot more down like there, there than you could catch here realistically. There's some guys in Alberta. I don't know if I should say their name, but um, the one guy in particular, he's probably one of the best at snaring wolves, and he snares a pile of wolves. And it kind of scares me because when you start killing, like you know how coyotes are, right? I, yeah. So if you kill, like if you, if you kill in an area, if you kill like you know a bunch of females and 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 you wipe out kind of an area, they come back, like what females are left, they come back and they have huge litters to fill that void, right? Yeah. So instead of having one or two or three pups, they have huge litters. So it's kind of scares me. If you keep a wolf population real low and the females start really cranking out huge litters, and if you ever stop killing them, because you got to go year for year yep. every year, yep. right? If you if you ever stop killing them, man, oh man, we're gonna get overrun. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be no, bad. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard that too. With wolves and coyotes are kind of similar. Like you got to kill whatever the number is, like seventy percent of the population ever, like for several years in a row, and then you really start to have an effect on them. But yeah, they they're resilient, man. They're probably some of the wolves and coyotes, probably some of the most resilient critters on earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's unreal like so my dad used to tell me stories when 
back in the day. So this is like pre, uh, like poison was still a thing. Like they were doing lots of poisoning. Like yeah. so, if you had wolves were killing cattle or killing herds of elk, they, these old boys they just poison them, right? Yep. So like they would go, they would chop a hole in the ice, and then they would shoot a moose or get to find a dead moose or whatever they would do. And then they'd freeze his leg in the ice and then they'd, they'd poison that bait. Yeah. And then they would do it in the middle of a lake and then they'd go around the outside of the lake and just pick up all the dead wolves. And that's yeah. how they used to handle it. And they used to wipe out packs like super freaking easy like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But the problem with poison is it kills a lot of other oh, <laughs> yeah. birds. Well, and shit, right? we, we had that same, that same deal up here in the, in the fifties, the, the feds were, actually big on predator control and you know like i don't know did you ever read that alaska's wolfman book yeah i read it yeah that's one of probably the only two books i've ever read in my life yeah, <laughs> yeah. i read that i you read had to, that you one had to learn how you one. had to learn how to read so you could read that one huh <laughs> yeah i read that one and i read uh uh glenn st charles there bows on the little delta yeah that's a good one too um Sometime we'll have to send you, send you, or, or sometime there's another a good one that I need to read again. It's called Above the Arctic Circle, uh, by a gay, guy named by a gay by a guy named James Carroll, who uh, it's like a kind of a collection of his journals and shit. He moved, I think it was like 1911. He moved up from Minnesota, maybe, but he was a young guy and just like was had been a like a camp cook, I think, in timber camps and shit. But he moved to Fort Yukon and like started trapping and that that's a really good book too. Very similar, like talked about um trapping grizzly bears for a while, like foot foothold trapping grizzly bears and he I think he said he quit because he got got to where them bears would like lay down and wait for him when they heard him coming. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of cut you off there. You were going to tell me something about old Frank there. I think when he was poisoning the meatballs and he was throwing them out. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, they, and I mean, he had a big impact. Like they, I think in that book at the time, Jim Reardon was saying a lot of people in like out of Toke, um, up the Taylor highway, you know, that whole country initially when they put the Taylor highway in, the wolves would use it all the time, like a fresh new road through this uncut country. The wolves would use it all the time and there were, you know, were hardly any moose in the country. And they, uh, you know, they, a lot of them old timers, I guess, credited him with, see, he went poisoning up and down the, the Taylor highway for a few years there and just hammered on the wolves. Um, and, uh, had a good old time, I guess, but yeah, he, I mean, he did that all over the state and areas where they were, they were reindeer herding and shit. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, had a bit, had a big impact, yeah. but it does. Yeah. That was kind of the other thing is it kills all the ravens and, and wolverines and stuff that really doesn't have any negative effect on the critters you're wanting to help. Um, so it's got everything's, everything comes with a cost. There were- there was a big deal here. Uh, I actually watched a documentary on it. I kind of don't like them. Some of these documentaries, like <clears throat> they like, cause you can tell it's kind of liberal people doing them, but in Alberta well, I was running a poisoning program. Like the last handful of years, I can't remember the, all the exact details on it, but same thing, right? They were nuking a lot of birds and shit. And it was kind of hush hush. And it was run by the government. Cause Alberta has a few caribou, caribou herds left. Yeah. And they're trying, and the wolves are just nuking them, and they're trying to save them. But what's happening is, it's just 
<clears throat> you're kind of we're kind of like with the industry, right? So all yep. the logging and oil field, and it's opening everything up, and the caribou are just getting killed. And so they're trying to kill all the wolves by poisoning, and it was just kind of a disaster of a program. But yeah, you can find some stuff on it still, but I don't know. I don't like poison. I'm not a fan of it. No, it's well, it's just, just it's freaking scary, man. Like what? It, it's just to, it's totally indiscriminate. You know, I think it it could be very effective, but even even here, like my the guy in our family that pretty much got everybody into trapping. It's like my grandpa didn't trap, but my uh, my great uncle was a government trapper for a while in Colorado and he got my uncles into it and my dad into it and all them. And he, uh, he, he used them cyanide guns, which, um, I think those guys still use a little bit, but they're, uh, they take like a 38 or the ones had, he had took like a 38 special case with a primer in it. And then you load this cyanide powder in there and wax it over and load in this gun, man, I'd be terrified of using those things. <laughs> and then you have a little bait ball, <laughs> kind of like a, it's, uh, my uncle was telling me about it. <laughs> Not that he ever used one <laughs> officially, but, uh, you, like wrap this kind of the trigger deal in, in, I think he would use like some kind of gauze rolled in bone meal and, and some canine lure on it. And you stick them things and you cock them and stick those things in the ground or in the ice or whatever. And a, a wolf comes and they, they, the way, and he said, you know, I guess, I guess my uncle claimed they didn't ever work very good for cats because the way cats will grab stuff with the side of their mouth, but a wolf or a canine, a coyote will grab them just right over the top of it and pull straight up. And then it shoots that cyanide powder and, or what it, and makes, uh, um, or whatever the powder is that it was when it comes into contact with their saliva, it makes cyanide gas and kills them like instantly. But uh, pretty scary stuff, man. I'd be I'd be terrified of using one of those things. <laughs> Could you imagine loading that and setting that up? No, no. It's like uh, it seems like I I seen fuck I seen something where uh, oh, a guy like thought he was poisoned or something. He's like, all right, I'm just waiting for, waiting to die. Like the thing goes off, and you're like, all right, oh here here it comes. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So we do got a good wolf population. So <clears throat> lots of guys are offering wolf hunts up here now. So yeah, and people are people are coming, man. It's good. I love it. I, I hope that they keep doing it. I hope they kill a lot. Yeah, It'd be nice to well, see some elk it, back. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you, yeah, you hope to like clip off a bunch of them for the because I mean every bit makes some makes some difference, even if it even if it's temporary, and uh, that's just a good like a good hunting opportunity man if a person thinks you're patient <laughs> go sit in the cold go sit in the cold and wait for a wolf to show up that the whole time you're telling yourself yeah this isn't gonna this isn't gonna work out <laughs> yeah if you put any effort in you'll kill wolves in alberta like like i wouldn't say easy but i mean if you put some time in and you'll get it done i, I haven't actually done anything i've been uh feed my old man bait yeah i went and like people so like it's kind of good right because we've been in this area our whole lives and so if somebody loses something it's nice i go grab it right so i had a buddy he has a buffalo ranch and he phoned me he had a like a two thousand pound buffalo that died he's like yeah. do you want it i'm like yeah I'll come, I'll come get it so that's what i did yesterday i went picked up this bison and set it out for my old man's bait so the wolves i know there's a pack of nine floating around so i know he, i think he'll probably start getting a few pokes at those ones so nice it's always good if we can get a few of those yep 
which, hey, if it shuts off here in a, here in a few minutes, I'll just start another meeting. I'm poor. And so this will, uh, <laughs> I got, I got the poor guy, I got the poor guy version of Zoom. So we'll just start it back up. I'll just send you another invite. Um, we had to do that last time too, I think. So. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's freaking, uh, I love it. I hope that we can, I hope more outfitters are doing it and kill them as many as they can just keep going oh yeah well it's gonna yeah it's gonna help help the elk and moose and deer and all that stuff it's always it's pretty impressive how much the variety of wildlife you guys have it's only i mean i think i could probably oh, yeah. probably get down to where you're at in a little over a day's drive like 20 26 hours or something like that oh yeah i freaking so one time we were at hunting elk and um it was just this big like uh uh, like got a public land space and um we walked up my cousin he ripped a bugle and the wolves answered so he's like he's like fuck this so he's like stay here we had bows right this is yeah. in september so he he went behind me about 30 40 yards and he just had a, a like a cow call and he started doing rabbit on it yeah and i could hear the wolves coming i because i don't i'd only see i'd seen one one trotting so uh, I could hear them coming and they were running. Like, you know, if you ever heard horses running on the ground, like that thumping noise. Yep. I could, so I'm, I knew there was more than one because like, I could hear that. And, and I, there, there was like nine or ten that kind of popped over this little ridge about 40 yards from me. And I got one air knocked. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Here we go. So <laughs> as soon as they popped over the ridge, they seen me, but they kind of started breaking apart and circling me. So I took one black one and he was coming on my left and I arrowed to him. But they kind of scattered after that, and I was like, "Man, it's the only time you wish you had a rifle with like a big mag." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how it, that's how it's, we've learned over the years, like how we hunt our elk, is because they'll them them wolves will follow herds of elk, right? So if you get a bull to fire, yeah, because a lot of times, like you'll get them to talk, but when them elk are going to bed, they go quiet. They go totally silent because they, the wolves will pick up on it, right? Yeah. So everything has changed on how, how we like, even the animals have changed a lot of their stuff, right? How we hunt them and stuff. So it's kind of different, but yeah, you learn. Even, even just since you were a kid, you, you're, it's, you've seen it change quite a bit, huh? Oh yeah. Like we had wolves. Like I remember my old man talking about it. Like we'd have wolves and he would kill them, but not like it is today. Like we're like overrun now. It's insane right now. Like it's the population of wolves is high as it's ever been. And I feel like there's more guys killing them now because they actually have value now. Yeah. Like if, if, if these guys, I don't know what they're charging for a wolf hunt, five grand, or I don't know. Like, so, you know, they're worth something. So guys are killing more of them. They get more outfitters involved and stuff. And I, I feel like we've got as many wolves as we've ever had, you know? So. Oh yeah. I mean, just, yeah, they're, their freaking resiliency i think they because in various areas like the state the state of alaska here will do they'll just shoot them out of helicopters and uh analog and license private private pilots to go shotgun them out of airplanes insert like very certain spots and times and they ran for i don't know how many years they did it um in the 40 mile country kind of like between which that herd crosses over into into the yukon a little bit too but they uh I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of wolves they killed, but they, they figured when they finished after seven, eight, nine years, whatever it was, they figured there was just as many as when they started, but 
like killing them in the spring right before calving and busting those puff, puff those packs up right before calving season. Um, to, I mean, that herd, the numbers grew exponentially and, you know, now they're kind of like, I mean, they kind of tipped over the top as they're, you know, just caribou is caribou do, but that like that herd's still pretty stable, but yeah, you, you don't end up having any less wolves than you had when you started. Yeah. That's like when, you know, if my old man kills a wolf or I kill a wolf, if it's a big female or a big female coyote, that, I, that's worth more to me because I know you're, you're hurting them a little bit when you can take some of them females out, right? So yeah. That's what I like. Yeah. My or favorite. Sal, or, <laughs> or, the, or when I get, you know, get the chance to kill a good dry sow grizzly, or not a dry one, but a sow grizzly bear that's between sets of cubs. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I talk a big, I talk a big game about doing that, but I've only done it a couple times. There he is. Holy man. I, I don't know what happened. My computer just did a restart and then started updating here. As soon as I logged into the second one here. It's that AI realizing it's smarter than we are. I'm just not the guy to be doing updates and stuff here at all. (laughs) No, me either. But, uh, yeah, man. Um, what the hell were we talking about wolves? You've been, uh, shooting some coyotes this year. Yeah, I got a handful, not a bunch. Uh, I bet you're so busy with kids and hockey and everything else in between, but yeah, I managed to snuff a handful here but i got a couple just uh i was sitting at the kitchen table drinking coffee one morning and they were going they were heading towards the chicken coop so i shot two (laughs) (laughs) you'll take those and you you're you're i'll take those your jams uh is a 204 isn't it 204 ruger yeah man yeah that's my claim to fame i freaking swear to god i was the first guy with one of those guns in this country anyway but Oh, I have shot, I have had the same 204 for, I don't know, man. It's a, they don't even make it anymore, but it's a CZ, uh, CZ 527. Okay. Yeah. The all American. And, uh, they don't, they quit making that a few years ago, but that was chambered in a 204 and that was, it's, it was a compact light gun and that 204 man, like took up a couple hundred yards and under well, you, if you're calling coyotes it's a deadly like you just thumps them yeah i don't know why or how um it's a i'm hand loading 35 grain burgers out of it yeah and it's like four it's four thousand feet per second so i think it shuts down their well, nervous system or something because when you hit them yeah yeah exactly yeah i uh it's just like i've hit them i've like I hit, so here's an example. I hit, I shot a wolf one time. I All I had was my 204. I shot a wolf at like 200 yards and it thumped him, like, like tipped him. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, because <laughs> I thought I'd be tracking for sure, right? Yeah. And then I shot a wolf. I shot a wolf with a 270 here at about the same distance, like 200 yards. And I, and he, he was dead. I, I, uh, pump house them, but he, he went like 60, 80 yards. Yeah. So I don't know. No, it's some of that speed, man. Like I, so, well, and I mean, when I grew up coyote hunting in Colorado, learned, like my dad and I just did it for fun in the winter, learned, learned to call coyotes. We got pretty good at it. Um, 
and we were pretty poor. So we had, my dad had a 223 and I killed a bunch of them with a, my 1022 with those stingers. Um, you just have to let them get real close oh, yeah. and shoot them either like straight, straight in the chest or in the lungs. And then, you, you know, I don't think I ever had any of them get away, but, uh, you know, shot a bunch with a 270 too. But, uh, I remember we, I remember when the, that 204 came out, my dad and I, it was about the time we moved up here to, up here to Alaska and we just don't have near the quality of like predator calling. Like there's some, a few guys can get out, get after it and kill some stuff, but it's just not the same is like areas like down, down where you're at, where you can go and, and actually like see, you know, expect to see coyotes when you sit down and call. Um, it, uh, but we always swore, like thought that that 204 would, would do really well on them. Cause even the 223, you know, like it's, it's a little slower. It kills them pretty good, but, but it can either like blow huge holes in them or sometimes you got to shoot them twice. Um, but I like same, same deal with trying to find a good Fox gun. Um, when I was going to a Fognac Island all the time, you know, that was a fun thing. We'd, we'd shoot foxes on the beach. They got some awesome, they're all on Kodiak and a Fognac. They're all descended from fur farm foxes that just got turned loose when the fur market crashed, I think like in the depression or whenever back then. Um, so you got all kinds of like cross fox and silvers running around and, uh, and they're pretty heavy, like big fat fox. And it seemed like a 17 HMR, man, if you, if you hit them good, it did really well. But if you didn't hit them perfect, you'd have to shoot them twice. And then I got that 17 Hornet, which is kind of just like a mini 204 in some ways. I mean, super, super fast. And that thing, shit, man, if you hit, you hit them solid in the body with that thing, it's like they get struck by lightning in my experience. I've even killed quite a few coyotes with it where it's, it's a little undergun for coyotes, but if you just make good shots on them, it kills them fine. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many coyotes I've killed with a 204. I'd like to say a thousand, but that yeah. sounds pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> but I know like too, so a lot of running shots, right? So yeah. We you call in Mal- in Alberta anyway, like most places probably. But in Alberta, a lot of the times we're calling in two, four, six, eight sometimes. Yeah. So you 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 pick your first one. And the thing I always loved about that 204, if you put in the work with it, did your hand loads and and you knew that gun was on. Your lead times on like a running coyote, I you could tighten up your lead times so much. Like some guns, you really had to lead. Yeah, but with them two hundred four, with them two hundred fours, I'd almost carry it with them. Like just kind of like not a big lead, but right with them, and I could pick a lot on a dead run, man. And I always said that was because of that cartridge, and it was just so fast. It was just, it was awesome for that. I liked it. And for pe- like people, they hear you know you hear that. People that haven't tried to, haven't shot at a shot at a lot of coyotes and missed a lot of coyotes, like, <laughs> like it is, it is fucking hard to hit a running coyote. <laughs> like it is not easy. My dad oh, yeah. and I, we always like, we finally, when I was a teenager, we made the rule like, all right, we're only taking the first shot when they're stand, when they stop and, uh, mm-hmm. which you end up losing some cause that too. But you know, if they just keep, if they just go right through, but, uh. I kind of had the opposite problem. I, uh, when I was wolf hunting there, I had that pack come in and there was a cut, there wasn't any like real good, good haired wolves in there, but there was a couple pale ones and I wanted to shoot one of those ones first. 
but the bait was kind of down in this down in this beaver pond that it couldn't didn't have a clear view of all of it. So the wolves are milling around behind this, you know, little red willow brush and stuff. It's in a power line cut. And, uh, and I was dicking around just waiting for a clear shot on one of those pale ones. And one of them figure out, figured out something was up. Cause I just seen his, I didn't, I, I don't know. He, they didn't make any noise for him to hear, but he, his head snapped towards me. And he took off running and I saw a couple others start to peel off and I just picked one that was standing still. And just as soon as I got the crosshairs on, 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 in the middle of that wolf, I touched it off and then looked for the next ones. But those ones that had took off running to my left turned around and took and went back to the right. So I should have shot three. I should have dropped three of them right there. Cause then the next one coming along, he's loping through that deeper snow and it's only like 150 yards and I held it just out in front of his nose and I, I missed, I, I'm sure in hindsight, I missed him. I, I led him too much. And then I did the same thing on the next one. Like realistically, if I would have just, would have just held behind their head, even behind their head or on their shoulder, I would have hit, I would have got him. But, uh, then I had to, I ended up hitting another was one it, after your, they, what, what's that? I was just going to say, is that, was it your gun you were using or was it outfitter's gun? Well, it was, no, it was, uh, I guess technically it was my gun. I had brought it. I got it from, it was a Browning. I'd got it and shot it. Um, I mean, not a ton, but I was comfortable with it. It, And it was like a conscious decision where I'm like, all right, I'm going to hold that right and swing it right in front of his nose and touch it off. And I think they were just too close. It was a six, five PRC. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, but they, they really in that deep snow, they were not moving fast. So I should have just held on them and. You know, once you get a piece, uh, you know, with that, especially at that range, you get a piece of them, you're going to get them. And then, uh, they ended up like doing a big loop, you know, 20, 30 minutes later, I caught them crossing behind me and hit one of them. I just didn't have enough time to grab. I just had to guess on the range and grab some, grab some elevation on the turret and send it and, uh, hit one of them. We never did recover. We followed him for two or three miles and I think he's probably was all right. Yeah. They're tough to like you've skinned a lot of wolves. Like the the size of their heart is the size of an elk's heart. So Oh yeah. Well, they can go a long ways and they're tough. If you're not if you don't if you don't hit them good. Same thing with a coyote, man. Like I've twice twice in my life I've shot the same coyote approximately a month apart. <laughs> if that makes sense. I uh <laughs> when I was a teenager when I was a kid I shot one I was loading these 30-06 accelerators in my lead loader. You know, you know what those you ever did you ever have any of those? Yeah, yeah, I had. Yeah, so I didn't know you could actually load for them because I had one box. Like I had bought a box of accelerators for my 30-06 when I was a kid. Yeah. It was like uh it was like holy shit. And of course I got basic load manuals like I'm uh, uh, and I was using all the only powder I had was IMR4350, you know, for my 180 grain bolts because I'd bought this 30 out six and bought a Lee loader. And then I ended up finding the, on the end, you know, the internet was still the old like dial up shit, but I found a package of 500 of these accelerator sabots and I freaking, I loaded 52 grain spear hollow points and those things. And I don't know how I ever hit, however, got the thing zeroed or hit anything, but I killed, I killed a number of coyotes with, with that thing. Um, but one of them I happened to hit in the right back leg is he, I missed him the first shot and hit him running. And, uh, 
I had to get to school and I couldn't find him. And but about a month later, I called that coyote in about two miles from there and killed him with my twenty-two one morning before school. And he was missing. He was missing his right back leg. <laughs> I remember. I remember when I was younger. I was maybe in my twenties, and I was hunting coyotes at this pig farm. And they'd have, well, you know, all the pig farms, they'd always have pigs dying and shit. So they had these like compost piles and stuff. So yeah. like, I'd go there every day and just shoot coyotes, like <laughs> not even, not, not even call them. And they were, they were so overrun with coyotes. Like they were just mangy, nasty looking coyotes. And this one coyote, it was so cold that day. And, and he was kind of bedded in this old calf shelter. Yeah. And I shot and I ended up hitting him, hitting him too low. And I took his leg off. And so then I banged away at him as he was running across the field. And like two or three days later, I see him again and I empty another full, whole magazine on him. And I'm like, okay, forget it. He gets a pass. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's good. He can live. So and, he did, and he was mangy, mangy too, not a hair on his body. Oh, yuck, man. I, uh, well, in that, in that coyote that I had blown his, his, like his right back leg completely off at the hawk. I, d- I had no idea that was only a three-legged coyote till after I shot him and I walked up to him. I was like, huh, I bet that's the same coyote I shot about a month ago. Because <laughs> it was, like I said, it was, only man, a couple, the, it was only a couple miles from there. Man, one of the craziest things, I was snaring. I had a farmer call me one time and he had bad coyote problem. And so I went over there and I was snare. I snared the shit out of him. I think I caught like 25 or 30, like in a two-week span. But one of them I caught like... You know, it's them big and like the zip ties. Yeah. If you're, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like some, I don't know if you guys call them quick zips or whatever. We call them zip ties. Zip ties. He here, had a yeah. zip tie around his, he had a zip tie around his foot and it was cinched into his foot huh. and it was, his foot was almost off. And it's like, I don't know how he got that on his foot, but that was one of the weirder ones that I've ever had. Like, them things just get into all sorts of shit, right? So he got yeah. a zip tie on his foot and got it cinched on, or I don't know. Yeah, probably. Crazy, yeah, but. started. Uh, yeah, that's who knows. That's anybody's guess. That's weird. Someone, someone, kind of some oddball counting coup on a coyote. <laughs> See if you can sneak up and put a zip tie on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to. I used to snare a pile. It's an art form too, right? But yeah. yeah. Yeah, did you uh, did you use just re- you know regular snares or use them pow- like I've heard of them power snares being pretty popular down in that country? I yeah, so I never used got into using any power rams, but I know guys that did and they're re- they're they have good success with them, right? Yeah. So I never did run them, but yeah, I just run like oh man, I'm digging into. I was running like five sixty fours, I think one by nineteen yeah. cable, and just normal. I I never did use like uh, you can buy them lightning locks, Seneca lightning locks. I never yep. did use those. I just used norm, normal modified cams, and um, I would run uh, like game stops on them, the little buttons. So yeah. like I would you keep a deer, try, like you it, keep that, a deer could get their leg out of it or whatever. Yeah, so pretty basic builds for coyotes, right? And it did good, killed them. Some guys, like you start adding, like when you start adding kill springs and all that shit, the price of your snares goes way, way up, right? So yeah, well, most got, guys have tried to run. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say add like P5 
people that are do you know people that just have like little recreational trap lines i mean kind of like i've done in the past compared to the scale of like how guys down in your country that are really getting after coyotes hard i mean like hundreds of snares and catching like oh, yeah. <laughs> catching more coyotes than you can fucking skin <laughs> really you're really oh, in good country for it so it's like you, you think about you know like a if every snare has an extra, you know, 25 cents or 50 cents cost to it that like that shit starts to add up and you start, you start questioning like, Hey, how much do I really need this or that? I mean, it's like why guys, guys appear like developed. I don't know if you guys use them. Um, and I don't know if it was Dean Wilson who developed it or, or like learned it from somebody, but like the classic wolf snare up here is the one by, uh, yeah, three thirty seconds. K. I think three thirty seconds cable is pretty popular. Uh, I think that's the. It's a little thin, but it, it gets them really good if you make good sets. Um. Uh, the eighth inch cable is just super heavy, but three thirty seconds cable one by nineteen, and you have you have the your snare cable like just long enough to where when you open it all the way, you got the right size loop, and then you you set that in. Um, you attach that with this kind of coiled, this set of number nine wire, this big soft, like soft iron wire that you wrap in a, you got a little jig to wrap a coil and run your snare cable through. So all you, you end up doing, you, you know, you yank your snare out, anchor it off by like wrapping that heavy soft cape, that soft number nine wire around your, your anchor tree or willow or whatever. And then you can use that, you can open up your loop all the way and then use that stiff wire to like position your, your snare loop exact, like exactly where you want it. And so, and you know, you can just manipulate it to where it'll go off like with just a little bit of pressure and, and, uh, not like when I was a kid trying to use sticks and shit to like keep your loops open. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When I first started snaring when I was a kid, um, that's what we did, right? You try to hang your loop on a branch and right and all that shit. But now, like you said, you can just take like surgical tubing or whatever. You yeah. can just buy rolls of it from a hardware store. And I would just cut it into little pieces and then you could just use your wire, right? Like yeah. you said, your soft wire and you can just help hold your loop. Man, this is, I haven't talked freaking, I haven't snared in a couple of years now so i'm a little rusty on that. oh me too <laughs> me too I'm, I'm the same way especially since like yeah like you said since i had had kids you know everything just gets a little different kind of busy you got to pick you got to pick a little bit more attainable stuff more attainable shit to handle it's an art form too like there's some like i'm not a a great trapper but you know i got by i caught wolf and i could catch quite a bit of coyote but there's some guys up here man that like snare wolves like they'll probably snare 30 40 wolves in a winter and they do that every winter like yeah. just that i don't know people under, understand how hard that is like and how much of a like a like a talent that is to learn how to do that over your lifetime it's incredible to do like i was amped if i caught a couple you yeah know? like that was a big deal yeah and some of these guys are doing like eight nine wolves in a in a, in a, in a snare check like yeah it's just it's unreal no, we, and we've got some of those same, yeah, same type of guy up here that, um, yeah, until you've like spent some time trying to do your, do it yourself. Like you just, there's, it's impossible to understand how much work it is and how, yeah, like you said, how much of an art it is. Um, it's freaking, it's, 
it's pretty special when you can see guys that just lay, you know, the type of guy where they can catch freaking anything. Like if there's something running around in the woods, they can catch it. I remember when I first started snaring, this was a big learning lesson for me. It was a, I'd always hang real tight to the baits, right? Yeah. So I let my trails get beat in the snow and then I'd hang tight to the bait. And, you know, you know, I would catch some, some, but what ended up happening was just kill the bait, right? Yeah. So I talked to one of the, one of the guys that was a real wolf expert and he was just like, move back, man, like get back. So like I started, when I started doing that, like I started getting quite a ways away from the bait then it didn't matter. It never killed your bait, right? Yeah. Like, so I could just keep keep catching and using the same bait. So it worked good. Like, stuff like that, right? You just don't know when you're a kid, right? You're just learning and stuff. Yep. No, totally. Yeah, guy, you know, guys like that snaring kills, you know. And there's, I mean, like, there's uh, our Alaska Trappers Association has a really cool wolf trapping manual that's just, ta- it's like, a ton of the knowledge from a lot of these guys. And, and some, I mean, a lot, some of them are still around hanging stuff up, um, that cuts, you know, it just took years of their like trial and error to figure out. And there's a lot of cool sets in there in that, in that, if you'd never, if, you know, whoever's listening has never looked at it, that Alaska wolf trapping manual is freaking really cool. I think too, like a lot of guys always like hunting is so popular, right? Like everybody wants to go to Alaska or Canada and they want to hunt and they want to, they want to be better at hunting. I think you just trap, man. If you trap that, like do your off season on, on learning how to trap wildlife. If you can get a wolf or a coyote to step on a, a little pan, man, you could kill anything. It's oh yeah. Same, same concept. Yeah. Right? Well, it's kind of, you know, like me and me and some of my buddies always, always kind of have said that it's, uh, you know, you, a, tra- a trapper can, can like catch or hunt or fit or fish or, you know, a tra- like a guy that's a seasoned trapper or even just like, okay, at trapping, like you're, you're like, you're going to be pretty good at hunting and fishing and any of that stuff where it's it necessary. It ain't necessarily the other way around. Like long before I was ever a, a bow hunter. Like I hunted, but I was the trapper. Yeah. And so like when I transitioned into bow hunt, like it was kind of just a, a, it wasn't that big of a deal. Right. So yeah, I think trapping is a great thing. I think more people should do it. It's kind of a dying thing though, man. There's so much pressure against it. Nobody wants to do it. Kids aren't interested, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. You know what? Because it's such a long-term thing, it's not like, all right, we're going to go hunting here for 10 days, you know, like you're invested in the areas you're trapping. And even, even here, you know, with all the country we got, any reasonably accessible country, it's, it is kind of hard for new, new folks to get started trapping. Um, and, uh, I think that's just a, that's a challenge everywhere along with it being kind of at the forefront of what get, what gets attacked. Um, but yeah, it's, it's. Uh, definitely got a definitely got a special place in my heart, man. It's 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 an important important thing that I think you know. Even if we feel like it's a losing battle, we gotta gotta stand behind it and defend it. Like uh, so, you know, I'm I haven't trapped in man a handful of years now, but just because you get busy with your kids and stuff, so I kind of had to step back, right? Like if I wanted to bow hunt and still hunt sheep and hunt, like do these mountain goat trips in yep. British Columbia and stuff, I had to, something, something's got to go, right? Like yep. you can't 
spend all your time doing all that stuff. So, but like, I still get calls. Like I went last fall, like I still go to people's farms for, uh, I'll help them remove beaver. And like, it's still like, nobody does it. And yeah, I still try to get out as much as I can, but. Yeah, no, you can only. Beaver's easy. That's yeah, easy. beaver <laughs> is pretty. I The one, it's funny because beaver, easy to catch. And we can even shoot them in some areas. But man, I freak, and I don't need, I don't mind fleshing them so much. That's pretty easy, but I freaking hate tack, like stretching beaver hides and just <laughs> yeah. having sheets of yeah. fucking plywood soaks, you know, you know, for whatever a sheet of plywood is nowadays, just having to tack those stupid beaver hides and how much space they take up. I just never got into putting up beavers. I don't like it. I'll, I mean, I put up a hell of a lot more wolves than I, than I ever have beavers, but, uh, <laughs> we, we use them for bear bait here. So oh like yeah. If you do damage control beat damage control beavers. Yeah. You can use them for bait. Yeah. Well, and we, yeah, we can use the carcasses cause I can get you guys, you guys don't even have to skin them. Right. If they're like damage control or whatever. Uh, yeah. So I can't remember exactly, but it's like, uh, if it's private land and yeah, your damage control kind of thing, I don't think you have to skin them, but I think if you were trapping like, uh, trap line and stuff, they got to be skinned. Yeah. I can't remember. Don't quote me. I yeah. can't remember exactly. But. Oh, cause we're, yeah, we, we, we have to eat, you have to either salvage the hide or the meat. And, uh, so we'll, you know, we'll, catch or shoot some and, and skin them. And I usually don't need that many. I just like using, using the carcass for an attractant for bears, but, uh, yeah, oh, it's, yeah. it's fun. It's fun shooting them. <laughs> you throw, if I got beaver cages, right. So you'll throw a beaver in a cage and I got tiny holes, man. Yeah. Like the size of a pop can or like a soda can. Yep. And they'll fall, they'll, they'll pull a beaver out of that fucking hole. Yeah. Those <laughs> yeah. things are every time. Those, yeah, those bear, bears are so funny, man. Even this, this year, I think I had, had two or three of them that I was feeling lazy. I didn't even hang one up. I just put them kind of next to the bait pile there. And maybe it was when I went to shoot, I think it was the night I killed my grizzly bear that that grizzly had been there and there'd been black bears in there and none of them had even touched that those beaver carcasses. And then while I was there, of course, that night, one of them hauled one off and started munching on it, which that's the advantage of like having some kind of barrel or cage that you, or hang a beaver up so they, they can't just grab it and run off with it and eat it at their leisure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. that's uh, I just built a cage on a mesh and then just with a lid and then you just throw it in. I could just toss it like four, four or five beaver in there, but they'll still get them out, right? They'll just pull yeah. a little bit out and they'll just crush it crush the bones and then keep pulling it. So, yeah. Now you're yeah. getting me. Are you got pl- big plans to bait this spring, this spring or what? Oh, you know it, man. Um, yeah, every, every spring pretty much <laughs> my, uh, well, my kid got, uh, got his first bear this year. So he's, he just turned eight. Oh yeah. I remember. So he was seven when he killed his bear and now he's got the bear hunting bug pretty bad too. Now he's realized that he gets to kill, he gets to kill a bear off my, off my, ta- one of, eat up one of my tags. He keeps saying, well, what if a big grizzly comes yeah. in? I said, well, I'm going to be pissed, but I'm going to have you shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> my boy, he's not quite old enough. He's only 10. So yeah. he's been bugging me. He's asking me. He's got, I, I got him a 22. So he's been just, uh. 
hammering on the squirrels and stuff here. But oh, that's he's awesome. been asking me, he's like, Dad, do I need he's like, I need a bigger gun for bears. And I'm like, Well, how big? <laughs> and he said something like <laughs> something like you shoot. I said, Well, let's pump the brakes here. So yeah. <laughs> so do you guys have to uh they have a you guys got a minimum big minimum big hunting age for big game? Yeah, twelve years old, so they can do their hunter ed and and get their win card and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, we I think I, I'm pretty happy. I like how we have it in Alaska. Like you can supervised, like a kid doesn't need a under. I think it's under sixteen. A kid doesn't need a hunting license, and they can hunt like under direct supervision using like an adult's tag or harvest ticket, whatever the case may be. Um, but, um, I think, cause I think they, yeah, it's, they have to be 10 years old to take hunter safety and get their own hunting license. Um, yeah. So you like there, there is kind of an age, but they also allow you to, you know, if they're younger and, and supervised, cause I'm sure, I'm sure your kids, your kid's a killer too. <laughs> He, yeah, he wants to, yeah, like we'll be, we'll be outside and then he's out there popping squirrels, but yeah, he, the, I would not hesitate to turn him loose on a bear and he's only 10. Like oh he yeah. Would, he'd be all, he'd be all over that. And, and like, so I don't know the rule of the law is, you know, you got to be 12 years old and possess your hunting license, but like on private land, you know, Berta, cause like we do have a lot of public ground, but private land, um, you can bears are like classed as a coyote, right? Like they're a predator. Okay. Uh, they fall under our predator, our predatory act. It's called. So, like, I think I could cut. I don't know if it's legal. I'd have to ask the fish and wildlife, but I think I could cut them loose on a private land bear. But I don't know if that. I don't know if that's against the law or not. But yeah, that's a, that's a good maybe, one to figure. That's a good one to sure. figure out ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he'd be all over that if he had the chance. Yeah, he, uh, my kid, well, he shot his bear last year with a 350 legend just because I happened to, I had one, one or two left over from, uh, a bunch of, like, kind of testing a bunch of those rifles that I got in a, got, I was the one that got assigned to it. There's not a white tailed deer within a thousand miles of here, but, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I kind of had fun shooting them and had that one, and it doesn't really kick, and I, Load had did some hand loads for him and yeah it worked it worked pretty well and then I think this year this year I'll have he's been shooting the six five a little bit I'll bump him up bump him up to that just for fun <laughs> I was either going to do that or that, if I can get a twenty if I can get a twenty two arc in time I have a plan to get a twenty two arc and that's like like a little short twenty two two fifty basically is that right eh that three fifty legend that was kind of designed for pigs eh wasn't it well it was like designed kinda- for for deer, um, specifically for states in the lower 48 where they got um, certain straight wall restrictions. They've started like – Oh, I, right. I think they uh, – there you know, used to be all these like shotgun only hunts because, you know, they're worried about bullets going too far or whatever. And a lot of states have opened up, have opened up the seasons to straight wall rifle cartridges that are a little bit slower. Um, and some of them have like length limits, so you, some of them you can't use a forty-five seventy or whatever, and and some of the ones that kick hard. So they developed this like specifically as a deer cartridge for those states, and uh, it's like shockingly accurate 
um, even with even with freaking factory ammo like Browning and Winchester factory ammo, a lot of these guns, most of them weren't expensive guns, but uh, there was six or seven of my shot and, and they averaged more accurate than like the 10 or 11 308 side freaking shot in the same year. Yeah. Yeah. I'd heard about some of those states that had uh, restrictions on what they could use. So probably because there's so many people around, hey, they yeah. want bullets ricocheting all over. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. So, I mean, for like in Alberta or, or here in Alaska, there's not really like a practical. There's not any need to use a cartridge like that. I just happen to have one and it's a good, pretty good kids cartridge. So it's like, yeah, what the hell had some bullets I wanted. My problem is I don't have enough shit to shoot. So (laughs) I'm like, I got all these bullets I want to shoot stuff with. (laughs) I need some more animals to step in front of me. Come back down there. Get some wolves, shoot some more wolves, take them home. Yeah, that would be, (laughs) that'd be, that'd be nice, man. Um, you been doing any any hand loading lately? Uh no, I haven't. I did a bunch here in the fall. I got ready for my sheep hunt, and then yeah, I kind of found what I liked, and I had I actually haven't been shooting or doing a whole bunch, man. But yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't been doing a bunch of hand loading at all. But usually that picks up here in the summer here when I'm starting to get everything dialed. So. Yeah, it's uh what it been it been so cold here. I finally got out and started shooting rifles outdoors. I usually shoot pistols in the winter pretty heavy. Um and uh but yeah, it's been yeah, the other day it was like 10 below and then around 0. It's not too cold to get out and shoot shoot rifles. I got a few rifles. Well, speaking of you were saying like your your 204 is a CZ. I got is CZ came out. They basically discontinued all their their 547s or whatever they were and they came out with a, a CZ 600 a couple of years ago. And then this one is a CZ 600 American that I have in 308. And they got like a walnut stock and it's kind of a heavy bastard when you're used to like lightweight rifles, but, um, it's a pretty good shooting gun. Um, that it's uh, that Mauser action kind of gets a lot of guys cause it does have a higher throw. But yeah, um, well, once you cycle that bass, that bugger a few times, it's not bad. I like it. Yeah. Well, the 600, they went away from that. It's like, uh, it's almost kind of like a Weatherby bolt, like with the, the six lug, it's got small lugs and a real short throw. Um, and the 600 was originally mm-hmm. designed to have like be to where you could switch barrels real easily. But I guess yeah. they, when they, after, like right after they released it, they figured out there was some, I don't know what it was, some way people could accidentally assemble it the wrong way and blow themselves up. I don't know. So they had to, they had to discontinue that feature, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's not a bad rifle. I've been shooting. I actually, before we hopped on here, I got a, I got a seat, seat all my bullets after afterwards, but I was dropping powder for, I've been shooting this Sig Cross Magnum. Um, it's a 300, 300 oh, yeah. wind mag. And I'm, I, the thing, uh, it's been a little frustrating. It, uh, it can shoot really good, but I only have found one factory load out of like five or six that I've tried that it really shoots well. And then I had some other, some hand loaded, like 212 green ELDXs that shot really well. And I'm just lo- I just loading up a batch of, um, 180 green Acubons that like freaking a 180 Acubon and 79 greens, H1000, 
like if that don't shoot, there's something, there's something not quite right with it. But yeah. overall, it's like, I, I like the rifle. It's a, it's a little long and a little heavier than I was kind of had in mind with it, but it's pretty cool. They can shoot. Some guns are just, some guns are just like that. Eh? Like you just, some all you can get right away. And then some, you just pull your, your hair out. Eh? Like, I don't know. I had a few like that, but. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's a real thing. Whereas I had this, uh, this Savage 223 that's has a proof carbon barrel on it. And that fucking thing, man, it just shoots everything really well. <laughs> like it's on average, like I've shot so many different types of ammo through it. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know that I've ever had a rifle that shot everything as consistently well as that gun does. I mean, I shot a fucking, well, the other day I was shooting, I shot, I shot a 20 shot group with just whatever ammo, this just generic man, this, uh, it was like AAC, just kind of cheaper match ammo that I was trying out and it shot a 20 shot group in five round increments. So I was letting the barrel cool, um, was like 0.99 inches at like at 10 below zero. And then the next day I shot, I wanted to see what happened when I'd shoot like a continuous 20 shot string. Um, and it was like 0.978 inches. So like basically exactly the same. It was, that gun's pretty impressive. That's that proof though. So was it getting hot at all? That carbon? Not bad. I mean, it was kind of, it was cold enough. It was like around zero. So I had to, uh, I had to sit there and wait till the breeze kind of blew the mirage. I had a suppressor on there too. So that, that sucker got hotter than the freaking firecracker. And so you got to like let the breeze blow the mirage out of the way so you can see the fucking target to shoot. <laughs> Cause it, I mean, you know how it goes when it's real cold, you shoot a couple shots through a rifle. You can't see shit. Yeah. That, uh, I was going to ask too, that's, so that's CZ. So the trigger, is that still like a three stage adjustable in them? Are they no, sending out? No, this one's a, a single stage. It, um, but it's a, it's a pretty light trigger. Like it's a, it's a nice, it's heavy enough to not be dangerous, but it's a pretty really crisp, short, nice um, single stage. The SIG, which, uh, you know, I was talking about the SIG, that thing has a two-stage trigger that, I mean, I would want to try some other ones maybe off the shelf to see. The one I have is, like, almost dangerously light. It's like, it's like the first stage is, like, I measured it on my little trigger pull gauge at, like, one pound, two ounces and then the second stage breaks with like two or three ounces extra. So it's really like, <laughs> it's too light. Like you can't, if you're sitting on it, I mean, it's, yeah. it's manageable if you're sitting on a bench or like, you know, you're really concentrating, but I even sitting on the bench, I've freaking blasted right through the stages and I've tried cranking them up. And then what <laughs> you end up doing is you just have like this, you just add weight and add weight, and then the trigger just blasts right through both stages because they're they're still only like a couple ounces apart. Um, so yeah, that's a little that's like kind of a I always, negative on that one. But <laughs> I always I always thought like you know I've owned a lot of different guns, and I always thought that CZ had the or CZ had the nicest triggers, like they just the adjustability on them, right? Oh that yeah, you could do yeah. You could like when you put when you push it ahead, like you said, man, you breathe on that thing. I never liked it, but it's for bench shooting. You can make it work, right? Yeah, totally. But you know, like the but, one on the cross in the one the one in this the single stage in this CZ is totally fine. Like it's it's touchy, but it's totally fine for hunting. The the one on the Sig, like eh, I would want to. I would ha- like 
have them swap it out or something if i it, for a hunting rifle it's just you know your fingers get cold or whatever man it doesn't take anything to just blast right through um you know one pound six ounces is not very heavy i run like i'm i'm usually around two pounds that's kind of my thing yeah i don't like much heavier or much lighter like i'm a two pound trigger and you can run it with gloves if you have to, or, you know, you're not going to bump it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you know, it's, it's heavy enough where you can like touch it. You can touch it and know you're touching it and then consciously add weight without it breaking. <laughs> yeah. I remember back in the day when like Remington had lawsuits over all this, but you used to be able to take apart the Remington factory triggers and they would have like glue oh. put over the adjustable screws. So if you, had a claim or something they would know you were fucking with the trigger right because you had to scrape the glue out of there to and i remember me and my buddies we were just young we'd crank we'd crank them things down and we'd get them so we could close the bolt and the trigger would would fire (laughs) and then we'd back them up (laughs) we'd back them up and we never had a pull scale or nothing we just back them out and be like yeah that feels good right there yeah we can like Smack it on the table and it doesn't go and it doesn't go bang, then that's good enough. <laughs> we were we were young and dumb, but it was kind of funny thinking about it. Oh yeah. It's uh yeah, like B yeah, just thinking it's stuff when you're a kid, BB gun fights and all sort of stupid shit you do that when you just don't really know better. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I'm glad there wasn't camera phones back then. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good thing, man. Well, you're we're probably about the same age. How old are you? Uh, I'm going to be 39 here in the spring. So. Okay, so yeah, you, I just turned 38, so we're the same age, basically. Starting to hurt a little bit and slow down, yeah. maybe. <laughs> I, I actually, I just had one of my good friends, he just passed away, and um, so we were at the funeral here and I was saying to my buddy, I'm like, man, I have, cause we were looking for pictures, right? Like yeah. of everybody together. And there's like, nobody had any pictures. And I'm like, I don't think we had fucking cameras. Like, <laughs> I don't remember any, I don't remember anybody had a fucking camera back then. If like there was a camera there, it was like an event, right? Like it was a wedding yeah. or something, you know? So. Well, and the only thing, the thing I remember, like all my hunting pictures from when I was a kid were from disposable cameras. Yeah. You know, like actual, yeah. or, or like, I think the first time I went sheep hunting when I was 18, I had a little digital, I had a little digital film camera that you could program the date, but like the date was like 12 hours off or something. So my pictures, the pictures I have and negatives, whatever, my first sheep, the, the date on there shows August 9th, which is the day before opening day. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I gotta, I gotta explain that. I gotta explain. I've had to explain that one a few times. Like, no, I promise it was on the tenth. <laughs> Do you know what my buddy did? That I thought was super dope. Was he fucking? Uh, they did this sheep hunt, and um, they brought disposable cameras, and they like took pictures of their trip, and then they got the film developed. Yeah, and it just looked cool, man. Like to to see you don't see that anymore, right? To hold a picture and like thumb through them and stuff. Yeah, I thought that was super, super, super neat, right? They they did that. Yeah, well, I remember. I mean, fuck, like, and I actually just found the the CDs where I think I because at the time I think maybe like two thousand six is one in particular that I'm thinking about, but um, 
I would like they would you could put them on CDs too, so they they'd put them there. But I remember like literally rolling back into town from a sheep hunt or two. And it's like straight to the store to drop them off at the one hour photo and then off to get some food and then back to pick up my pictures and just spin, you know, yeah, thumb through them. Oh, it was, it was great. <laughs> Different time for yeah. sure. Oh, oh yeah. It's weird. I, there's lots of stuff I killed that I don't have pictures of because we, yeah. you know, I, I remember like the first bull moose I shot, I was with my dad and I'm like, he just grabbed a knife and started butchering. Like we didn't have a camera. Yeah. Nothing, right. So. Well, my first bull, Thanks. my first bull moose, I don't have, I have maybe one, one, maybe two pictures. I know we took a, we didn't have a camera when we were out. We were just like, went out to go shoot ducks and go pike fishing and like it turned into a moose hunt. But, uh, yeah, we didn't have a camera with us. And then I had, I had a digital picture because my aunt had a digital camera, like of me standing there with the moose antlers afterwards. And I had some disposable after we got home and I had like, what I can still find like maybe one or two disposable camera pictures of me, like with the thing on a tape, like the head on a table back behind that in the backyard after I got home. But I, I mean, most of the, a lot, I don't know about most, but a lot of the bears I've killed, I don't have pictures. Like they're freaking gone. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think about like how many yeah. bears I've actually killed the other day. I've got like 27 skulls in my garage that I could count. And I didn't keep skull, any skulls for a long time. I mean, I kept the, the, like the first big bear I killed, I kept that skull, but I would just like pitch the skulls most of the time. And, you know, I was like, I don't even yeah, know. I, I don't even remember what happened to hides and all sort of shit. I mean, I probably, I don't know, like. 50 bear, 40, 50 bears. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing too. I got, I don't have all the skulls cause you just never, you just run out of room and then you didn't care either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just and like, uh, what do you do with it all? Yeah, exactly. After. And so same thing with hides, you know, like even, even nowadays all, I'll kind of high grade some of my, well, not always <laughs> that bear. I shot, I, I did get the bear tanned. I just got him back recently that I had shot at like 12 feet with my 375. <laughs> that was being an asshole trying to keep mm-hmm. me out of my boat. Um, but he, uh, he's the one that stole my chainsaw out of my boat the previous evening, but uh, he was kind of a raggedy sucker, but I got, I got him tanned, but yeah, generally like, yeah, I'll kind of high grade my hides and I'm keeping the meat from almost all of them anyway. So I'm like, that. that's another, you know, I, I don't need to spend another $300 for that hide to hang on the same nail that all the other fucking hides are hanging on. Yeah. I got a freaking barn full of uh, Euro mounts. Like, cause I just, you don't have room, right? Like, what do you yeah. do? You just can't mount. Like eventually you run out of room, right? Like I got, I don't know. I got six or seven just deer mounts and then like a mountain goat in my basement. And like, that's it. Yeah. It's full. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I got... No, it's a good, it's so a good problem to have, but it's, yeah, it's, it's real. I mean, I got a bunch of shit over at my, one of my uncle's places still, but ultimately like you think back, man, like there's a lot of stuff that's like, I can barely even remember now that like, yeah, it would have been nice. It is as much of a pain in the ass as phones and technology is it's nice to be able to like take some pictures and have some pictures to remember some of that stuff. Like I remember when Facebook, like not dating myself here, but when Facebook came out, 
and then people started like you were just you had a few buddies and you just post your hunting pictures right like it yeah. never I never thought it would turn into like this actual industry of influencers, <laughs> yeah, hunting influencers and shit. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I was I was always way see, behind but... the curve. Like I'd heard people talking about Instagram way before I ever got one, and I mean, honestly, I got I started my Instagram page just to kind of like pr- help promote the podcast. And uh, yeah, did you ever think it would get as big as big as it is, or what? No, I had that no was clue. never the plan. Like, no, I had no clue. <laughs> like when I was watching, I was watching your sheep video today, and I'm like, Tyler just looks like a guy that never planned for everything to get this big. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of like, he's just going along with it, you know? Dude, I don't even know that it is that big. You know, like it, it doesn't feel that big. I fucking, I'm, I'm just a just uh, another dude, you know. <laughs> I think it's bigger. I think it's bigger than you think. I think it's, it gets a lot of ears and eyes and stuff, but it's kind of how it is, right? Just everything snowballs, right? So yeah, I think so. Yeah, as long as I can, you know, do it, do it in a positive way, I guess. You know, no harm, and and as long as it doesn't cut into me like doing the things I like to do, that's the important part. <laughs> that's like, you know, my and I'm very lucky to have the job I have, obviously for obvious reasons, but. I mean, it just facilitates me being able to like, and you're, I'm, you know, I know you well enough. You're the same way, like, you know, stuff that just allows you, you know, the stuff allows me to do the things I want to do anyway. Like that is like hunting more and spending more time out, out, out doing shit, like is the end goal. It's not like, I'm not doing the stuff for any other reason. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, so our podcast, me and Tyler's podcast, it's kind of got put on the, it kind of got shelved here. I think this last little while, like he's got four kids. I got four kids and we're just kind of like busy. Right. It's yeah. just, we don't have time. I, te- he, he'll text me. He's like, you want to record something? I'm like, sure. And then <laughs> yeah. he, it's like nine 30 at night. It's nine 30 at night. He's like, you ready? I'm like, I'm a fuck buddy. I'm tucked into my race car bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm, uh, <laughs> you got your, you got your robe, your robe and your slippers on at that point. Huh? <laughs> And he's like, yeah, you're right. We'll try again tomorrow. So it's just kind of, you know. Well, I hope you, fun, I hope you guys, like, yeah, like and the nice thing, I mean, I don't know. I kind of take, I have a little bit more casual approach. You know, I try to get, and when I'm, I kind of kick myself for not being more diligent sometimes to get, get I li- and I like being able to like put podcasts out every single week. And sometimes it just don't fucking happen, you know, so. The nice thing about it, like you, you know, you guys, you guys have, you guys have a good podcast, Wilderness Locals, if for anybody who's listening and doesn't know what the fuck we're talking about. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I, I hope you guys, hope you guys pick it back up and, you know, but like, it's no, there's no sense in doing shit, like just to do it and yeah, like to feel like it's a freaking job or a freaking grind, you know, when you're not enjoying it or enjoy bullshitting or whatever the case may be, man. Like that's just that's just no fun for our kind of people. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just uh, that's what we do. We wanted to, we like I like doing them right, but just this is actually the first one I've done, and probably it would be before like hunting season so Damn. well it's I been feel, a while i feel fortunate that i could just get you on such short notice <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah no it's uh it's good to be back on anyway but yeah well i'll uh i'll have to send you off to send you one of my number nine trap hats um oh i've been looking at you wearing that 
all night. I'm like, that's the coolest <laughs> hat ever. Yeah, it's fun. I, I'm I'm fucking super stoked with how they came out. Old uh, Ben Stennett, Cold Bore Precision down there in Oregon. I mean, for like the dude, I I got to hand it to him, man. He just got in touch with me this summer because I'm I'm like the the worst at staying on top of this shit and like being proactive. You know, he's like asked if he could send me some samples and shit. Yeah, and so like I you know I like the samples he sent and kind of got a feel for what he could do. And this was one of the, probably the last million dollar idea I'll have. Well, <laughs> getting ahead of myself, calling it a million dollar idea, but <laughs> I get, I get pretty good ideas on occasion and, and I'm really stoked with how they came out. So I've been sending, I've been sending some of them to BC and Alberta. So, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to make sure and get you one. And if, and if people want to order, them, I, I got them on, on the website at uh tundertalkak.com that's my page. have you been selling a bunch of them yeah quite a few i went through because hmm, i had this i got a sheep design too that i don't have any of those in right now like i just buy all the shit out of pocket and then and then sell it so like i make sure i have hands on everything that goes out and uh yeah it's quite a few i mean i probably got 30 or 40 hats left maybe right now. And I can always order more, you know, oh, if people, sna- if people snap them up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of that one. The Alaskan number nine is a pretty badass wolf trap. So. <laughs> yeah. So like how Tyler and me were doing when we were selling some stuff there is we had a website, but we didn't handle anything. Right. Yeah. So it was just like through a pimp. You know yeah. what I mean? So, <laughs> so like he'd take, he'd take, so they would, he'd like basically just hire this pimp and then he'd just take a cut and then he would, he would do the production and the yeah. shipping, right? So everything. So we were just hands off. So like we'd just be like, oh, there was 10 orders last night. We don't have fuck all to do with it, right? We just give yeah. like 40% of it away, right? So yeah, it was well, easier, but you give up, you give up a bunch. Yeah, there's a little bit like some of the, and depending on, I think the outfit you go with, you just don't know sometimes like what's, or that's like my fears. I'm like, yeah, if I'm not like seeing what's going out, I don't know. Like I like, and I like, I don't know. I like, I like the hands-on aspect. It's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes, but, um, if I get overwhelmed with it, I just quit ordering new shit for a while. <laughs> but, um, I got design. Well, I got a trap design. I should be getting it back pretty soon. A trap design for like a hoodie, hopefully eventually and some stickers. And then, um, another design of, cause the, the hat, the sheep hat design is Frank's sheep from this year. And, uh, cause it's a nicer sheep than I've ever killed. But, um, it's, uh, I got another one of like a front on like Tundra talk, sheep Ram skull design that I'll hopefully be doing, uh, doing a hoodie, some hoodies of, here sooner rather what about than a, later. do you think do you think you could put a do you think you could put a 330 on the hat like as a trap i bet you could especially Bonner, if you did it um, i gotta like grab another hat to With visualize tr- it but i bet you could yeah like if you did it like with the trigger down, like your wires on your trigger bent open, right? And yeah. then your three thirty with the springs out to the side, that'd be a sick hat too. Yeah. And especially okay. especially if you had the springs kind of bent up or whatever to kind of save space. I don't know. That's a good idea. I'll have to have to dig a three thirty out of the snowbank, take a picture of one and send it to Ben. <laughs> See if he can come up with one. Cause that would be I mean, that would be a really cool one too. I hadn't thought of that because it's been a while since I used a three thirty well. 
been even longer since I've used a 330. <laughs> Man, the price of traps has went through the roof too. Cause like when I was buying, I can't remember, I was buying Belial 330 mags and I think we were getting them for like 21 bucks yeah. or something. Yeah. And I think they're like almost 40 bucks a trap now. Oh, man. Over 40. Then you got to actually, double. then you got to actually take care of them and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You feel I remember I would trap river, I would trap rivers, right? And shit. So the water was always going up and down and I'd always lose traps. And I was like, you know, oh, well, whatever. I will get some more. But nowadays yeah. I'm like, fuck. Well, thanks. Yeah. That's Keep pretty, that. pretty, <laughs> that cuts into your cuts into your gas money pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, should we pack her in or Yeah, what? I think so, man. I'm I think it's time for bed. So Yeah. But yeah, yeah, great to great to freaking shoot the shit with you and catch up, man. It's been been way too long. It's always good to hear how things are going yeah. down down our neighbors to the south, which is not something you're used to hearing probably. <laughs> I appreciate it. I always enjoy coming on here and shooting the breeze with you. It's a good time. I thanks for thinking of me anyway. Yeah, no problem, man. Oh, I'm always thinking of like coming there and shooting one of your deer. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. We'll get that lined out. You gotta get your you have to go get your win you get your win card. I have so, a win card. Alberta. I have a win card. Oh, you do? Oh yeah. Fuck you're dialed then. Yeah. That's it. That's all and you then, need. Yeah. I can just hunt I can hunt or host you pretty easy. So nice. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to freaking do it, man. Do some shooting. I, but the I, only yeah. catch it, the only catch is if you shoot a deer, you got to shoot some coyotes and stuff too while you're there. So, uh, well, that's not, that's not, <laughs> we'll forget it then. <laughs> 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 but all right, Wacy, man, it's been, on. been good catching up with you, dude. And, uh, take care. And, uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And, uh, yeah, if you, you enjoy Tundra Talk, appreciate it if you leave a good review on iTunes or wherever you listen. And uh, yeah, I still have some have some bunny boot hoodies and and uh, some wolf trap hats in stock on the website uh, tundratalkak.com. So uh, yeah, thanks and tune in next time.